Shooting the Gap with Ryan and Gonzo. Welcome to Shooting the Gap. We're all here. Welcome, Ryan Silva, to Shooting the Gap. Whoa. Is that a mouse? Was a mouse? I didn't see a mouse. There so no, it ran. Is the bat? I've got a flying mouse to kill, and I've got to clean Wait, my claws. Oh, Bob, Jack. phone book. This town needs an enema. <laughs> I remember hearing that, and they said, "Dad, what's an enema?" Don't worry when you're older. He he was instantly <laughs> not comfortable with telling me. Oh, see, my dad would open up and gone. It's when they shoot water up your butt. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't want to tell me that for some reason. Probably because that would be like invoking the next question. But why? But why? <laughs> and what other things go up butts? Boner butts. Butts. That's where Vagina. We were at butts. They call it fanny in Britain. So yeah, enemas. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Hold <laughs> on, let's keep today's, today's topic. Enemas. Enemas. Enemas of the state. Why one would shove water in their ass. Or medicine or whatever it is. I don't know. I've never had one. Sure. Well, we're getting closer to those ages where we're going to need to start doing stuff. <laughs> I've, had a suppos- I've had a suppository. The older you get, the more people want to shove things more, in your butt. The more things are required to go into your butt. And doctors don't just make that shit up. And science, for whatever reason... Let's see if I was doesn't a... want to make it so we can go different routes. We just always have to go through the butt. No, well, I'm working so that that's the way that they. I'm working on a pioneer. They're just tired. <laughs> they don't want to think of a new one. They're like, I don't just care how uncomfortable it makes them. I'm going home. I haven't seen my wife in two years. But I gotta stare up this guy's ass for the next forty-five <laughs> minutes. I'm working on a new uh, radical procedure uh, since I got my degree in photology. I'm gonna go through the. Uh, Foothole. The foothole. Mm-hmm. It's I, like Narnia, you have to believe in it for it to be there, but... I was going to ask you, that was like part three of Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Alice, Alice through the, the foothole? Alice through the foothole. <laughs> I think I've seen that on Pornhub. Uh, um, uh, maybe that's where uh, it's coming uh, from. Uh, Ryan's afraid of porn. We're going right down this... I'm a, I don't want nothing He's to okay do He's okay talking about porn. footholes, but not porn. Not, not foothole porn. <laughs> Foot porn, I think we can we can stop right there. Just some right? chick with like a monkey foot, like fucking monkey toes jerking some dude off. Very fast. I'm sure that's a thing. Very oh, I'm sure it is. I, I don't Thanks, know Japan. that it is, but I'm sure it is. I don't know that it is, but I'm sure that it is too. <laughs> Nothing surprises me anymore. That should be top five most surprised moments while watching a, por- a porno. The girls never came. No, they always, the girls never showed they up. They might not have like came, came, but they were always there. There. I actually just watched a porn where the girl just like was not it wasn't that she wasn't having it he just never got her there I was like well that was a waste <laughs> yeah, it's not fun now, also man. not surprising it's just like you have one job get her there so I can jerk off into the sock still or sock no, nah, I was just like last year. Haven't you grown up into Kleenexes yet? You're Socks are you're in the out of your hands and wash your hands afterwards anyway. That's just <laughs> Socks, no must, no fuss. I mean you should be washing your hands. No must. You do your own laundry, so I guess there is no fuss there. Yeah, no. 
work. Mm-hmm. He's like, this needs to go into the extra soil load. <laughs> Put that shit on permanent press. It's done and throws it and just stands there. <laughs> it lands like a gymnast and just looks at you. And I'm like, ten! Sticks from the American it. judge. Sticks it. And now we're talking about me jerking off. What does this show become? Well, it's about to become the Final Four show. Woohoo! Final Four! Finals of four things. Raping off in socks. Raping off? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, I'm totally going to start saying that. (laughs) My day off. I raped off in a sock like we, four times. We like to invent catchphrases around here. Catchphrase initiative. Oh my god. One of the thousands rape some of chick in the things hole. we say will eventually stick. That's why we just keep going there. We're pushing the envelope. You know, there's, you know, cum-filled socks sticking a landing like a gymnast. Or rape. Or raping off. Self-rape. Self-rape. Or, or people grabbing dicks. That was like the second episode. It hasn't hit, but it's still gold. It's still money. Entertainers grab dicks. Speaking of entertainment, it wasn't the most entertaining of the Final Fours that I've seen. Um, honestly, in, in a while. Just got to go with Villanova beating Oklahoma beating? by 40 points. Um, no, they were raping off on them. Raping, raping off, off all over them. <laughs> oh, they raped off on their tits. It was, it was a, it was an ugly game, very ugly. Um, on the Oklahoma side, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Couldn't make jump shots. Couldn't get inside. Once the game was out of hand, and I'd say it was out of hand by about when it was Villanova up by twenty, there was just no fight back at all. They, they went up with nine minutes to go. I'm pretty sure they were like twenty point lead. In the next five minutes, they went up by 40. So they didn't they didn't pull off Villanova. Um, Villanova pressed on, kept their guys in, and put this team away. Ugly, ugly game by the Sooners. Kind of a statement game for Villanova to sh- say, you know, we're not just going to show up at the finals. It's... Yeah. I mean, is that... Maybe. Maybe something there to make UNC at least be scared? I don't think you. I don't think you need to be scared. If you need a reminder, at this point that you're playing a good team, then you shouldn't be playing in this tournament. I mean, you're about to go into the final game. So I don't know if, if they want to be reminding North Carolina of anything. Villanova's been a good team all year. I'm sure North Carolina is very aware of that. I don't know the if they have going to the distance in my bracket or not. I, I know I always root for them. They're fun to say. I don't remember who Villanova is a very fun. I, I know that. Them and Gonzaga. I know that. Well, Villanova lost in the Big East tournament. That's why they didn't get a number one seed. I know that they were somewhere upset about that. I guess I'd heard that. But, no, I, I mean, if it's a statement game, it's to people that aren't playing. North Carolina doesn't need to be reminded of, You'd hope. of uh, who they're going up against. It's, they're, they're, they're playing in a, uh, the Big East, and North Carolina plays in the ACC, and those are the two best conferences. That's where you got the most competition. So, no. so all that being said... Is this not an example of how the tournament maybe, you know, in the end got it right? I mean, every there seems a lot of years where we get, I mean, Duke playing Butler. It's one of those. But, but, but those, that's the nature of the tournament. I don't know if the tournament ever gets it right with seeding because, you know, for, for Villanova and UNC playing, how many good teams are not playing in this? There's still good teams that aren't there, but that's what the tournament is for, kind of whittling it down. It makes it harder to win. You're not playing a 
five game series or I don't think they do seven game series in, in college. They might, they might do three at the most, but you know, the longer it gets with the better competition, you're going to win that that series because you're a better team. There's a tournament. It's one shot deal. So I th I think it I think it had it right for the most part. My biggest knock was honestly Duke being ranked as high as they were. They should not have been a four seed. But that was ridiculous. We were and surprised. I was very surprised. We were all very yeah. surprised when Duke got a four. We kind of thought six, seven, eight. You probably were getting two, two spots because you're Duke. Probably, and they won two games, and then we're happy about that. But I think the t there was a little bit off of it. I mean, people were mad that Syracuse was even in the tournament because of the cheating scandal and the fact that I think they they only won nineteen games, something like that. Where's the cheating scandal? They only won nineteen games. Um, it's, They're not it's very good at cheating. It's 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 more it's not it's a longer story than that. Okay. <clears throat> but I mean, it's been like that for the last ten years, ten fifteen years. We talked about it on previous shows when the when the tournament comes around, that you know mid major squads, teams that aren't in the top five seeding areas have been making a final four more often, and more upset more upsets happen. I, I think I think the tournament ended up pretty right with who's playing for it. These are two teams that deserve it. Say what we will about North Carolina, that's a whole other show with their scandal and their cheating for the last 20 plus years. But all I know is it ain't happening right now and that team is in the finals. So that's that's where we'll leave that, that part of it. But um, North Carolina pretty much dominated Syracuse. It wasn't, didn't get below 10 after a while. They just kind of chipped away. Mm -hmm. I think North Carolina is going to win this thing. Tar Eagles. Yeah. Yeah, as disgusting as that is to say. Yeah, it hurts, but hey, they're uh, they're uh, I keep being reminded by Tar Heels fans that they're there right now, and I keep going, who was there last year? Mm -hmm. okay. Well, that's it's their time to gloat. They need time. to win the game, so they still got to go out and beat a really good Villanova team. Um, Josh Hart was excellent in the in the Final Four against Oklahoma. He had 23 points, nine rebounds, I think. He's obviously their best um, athlete and probably their best player um, on the team. He's versatile. He can get inside. He can throw it down. He can shoot a three. He's got a mid-range jumper game. Um, plays good D. That's going to be the key. I'm pretty sure that's who North Carolina is going to try to take away and let the other guys get their shots. Because, I mean, they have Chris Jenkins on Villanova. He's number two. He's kind of like their Draymond Green. He's a six eight, six nine guy. Can bring the ball up the floor. Can hit You're the three. Almost eleven feet tall. Can can get inside, and and uh, you know has a has a little bit of game by the basket as well. So that's who uh, I think North Carolina's going to look to be shutting down. As far as Villanova's defense, which is a very good defense, it's pretty simple when you're playing against North Carolina. You got Bryce Johnson, and you got Marcus Page. Now. Good luck with that. It's been stopped, but I feel like North Carolina is playing the way that they should have been playing all season. Mm -hmm. Right now, they're playing their best basketball. They played really good basketball throughout the whole tournament. Yes, they, um, they probably beat. they've had about eight minutes of bad play in the whole tournament, and it was probably the first game of the tournament. So they're they're they've peaked. I think they're primed to take this national title. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be an entertaining one. But I'm still going Tar Heels. Wyatt would call it epic. I'm going with it. Wyatt would call it epic. It is five times. Epic. But about five or six, seven, eight times. 
It's an epic thing. Um, I love the tournament. I, I love it. Are you are you happy with how the tournament went? Do you think it, anything needs to be changed about it? Are you Mike Greenberg saying that they should switch it to series instead of I think um, instead of the tournament? You know, here's the thing about college sports in the first place. Uh, they it's, they don't have the luxury of extending their season. Uh, these kids go to class. They're students first, and then they're players. And that's evident based on, you know, you can't play if your grades aren't there. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think at the end of the day, that's what everybody needs to keep in, in mind, is that they are student-athletes, and it's student is the word first. Um, so they don't owe nobody nothing. Um, if you go, go into series and stuff, I mean, that that's for championships. Uh, obviously, a championship in college means something, but... You know, in the pros, it really means something. And I think it's interesting. You know, I, I prefer to have some opportunity for upsets in pros. So I feel like, you know, that's where seven-game series in basketball, I think, in the pros, that's why at the end of the year you always have pretty much the two best teams from every conference playing in the conference championships. So mm-hmm. very rarely anymore after they got rid of the five-game series – now that everything's set and it's, I mean, that's what they want to do is in their league is figure out who the actual champ is. So what do you think about I, the tournament? I love the tournament because it's not necessarily that. It's what I think, I think we all love that about college sports in general. Um, the single elimination. Single elimination. Uh, college football. We, you know, I, I think, you know, that it was doing itself a disservice by not only basically saying just two teams have to get a play for the title. I like the expansion. I think it could expand to eight. Um, I think eight's probably a, be a limit, but I still like single elimination games. I mean, that's, that's where you find upsets. That's where you find Cinderella's. That's where, that's where it makes every game worth watching. It makes it magical. It's what's great about the NFL playoffs is single elimination. That's where you awesome. find upsets Cinderella's. Upsets in Cinderella's. That's why it doesn't need to be fought to it. That's why I think they get it right almost every year. Um, whoever's in the whoever's in the final four, I'm always happy with. I mean, not necessarily. I mean, I'm not exactly ecstatic that North Carolina's there, but I know that they deserve to be there. You're happy on how they got there. When UConn gets there, um, well, they got there because they beat one, two, three, four, five. That's what happens. Everybody has so, to do the same thing. It's not that, like that's the why rules it's not don't special. apply that's why to it's everybody. Better. That's why it's better so. than a playoff series. That's why, you know... The one plays the eight. Well, the one does play the 16 in this, but one time, and that 16 can beat them. Hasn't happened yet, but a two's beat a 15. So it's steadily creeping back and forth on that. What we do have is, just like you guys said, upsets, Cinderella's, new faces, superstars are made. The tournament's the best thing in sports still. Like, we love the Super Bowl. Football fans, diehards. But the tournament's the best thing. It always is, in my opinion. Always is. What, what makes it great is the, you know, Pretty much, I mean, no. I I talk to people all the time. They don't watch basketball, let alone college basketball. I mean, I find a lot of a lot of people who watch pro football and college football. I don't find as many people who watch college basketball and regular basketball or uh, pro basketball, uh-huh. which I am always just a little surprised because they're like, "Oh, my second favorite sport is basketball." And it's like, but you don't watch any college basketball because. I mean, where do you think they come from I before just, they're pro? <laughs> well, I, I look at it like, I mean, 
I look at it like to me that's it's more pure basketball sport and the kids a lot of the kids there know they're not going to the NBA and they play really hard and you see they play hungry they they do I mean they play because they love the game they love the game to play and it's 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 entertaining to watch there's not tremendous amount of showboating there's not I mean there's there's a, a feeling of team when you're watching them play there's so some I, good fundamentals I love yeah. college basketball more than I love the NBA I mean I like the NBA stars for what they do I appreciate that I'm definitely a college basketball fan but I love much more them. than the NBA considering I don't have an NBA team right I have a college basketball team I have for 26 years but yeah I mean it's it's the college game the college game is where it's at in my opinion you see the the best guys at the best time in their lives, I think. I mean, it's before the money changes. Ray Allen looked like Michael Jordan when he played at UConn back in 96. Three years in the NBA and he wasn't dunking anymore. Specialized game switches for him. Um, I, I love college basketball. I don't like what it's become with the one and done. I hope they're doing away with that. It's been addressed a lot more. I think the NBA is going to make that happen before the NCAA does. I don't care if anybody says it's unfair. I don't care if anybody compares it to baseball or any other sport, soccer, where you can just go pro out of high school, cool. We've decided you can't. Because it's ours. The NFL has said you need to be three years removed. Well, that's our decision. That doesn't mean you need to be playing college ball. You could play no ball. It would be really hard to get on an NFL team that way. You have to be a certain... You have 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 three years between college and NFL? I didn't know that. you got to be in college for three seasons. Oh. Oh. You have to be removed from high school for three years. High school. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. They basically, they want you to be 21. Basically, that changes the track to my brain. Basically, they want you to be 21. I mean, you should. So they can play you with liquor. You need an adult. You need an adult body to play in the NFL, dude. You cannot have a child's body in that. Well, and with the NBA, there's people complaining about saying, "Let them go." Like, how can you stop them? That's unfair. No, what's unfair is when some agent attaches himself to a kid who is is tall, poor, doesn't have money, and he promises a bunch of shit. Yeah. Kid buys into it, ignores whatever studies he might have been into in the first place. Right. Doesn't think Does of a backup it. plan because when his biological body here's the fails. Deal. Here's the, the deal, Doug. But no, no, here's the deal. Before you even get to that, if you sign on with an agent to get drafted, you can't go back and play college, even if you don't get drafted. So as a high school player at your age of 17 or you just turned 18, you sign with an agent if, when this was legit. And you didn't get drafted. You can't. You can't go play college basketball. You can go to college, but you can't play. You can't basketball. play basketball because you already signed with an agent. So hmm. it's it's and that's, a lot of these kids. That's their vehicle to be to in be college in the first place to get that education if they're looking for it, or to get an opportunity to make vast amounts of money. So the the problem with the rule goes both ways, in my opinion, because I think that the kids should be able to, but I also then worry about the guys who don't have anything else going for them except a possible chance of being an NBA player. And size and skill don't mean you're going to be in the NBA and be awesome. It has nothing to do with it. It's, it's heart, it's attitude, it's work ethic. That's how those guys get there. That's, that's kind of missed when, they, when people hate on these athletes. Like, Got to pay your days. They work their asses off to get to Like I said earlier, play hungry. I mean, yeah. so they, they need play to play lights out, right? They need to send yeah. these kids to school for two years. They need to go to school for two years. At least two. Two years. Get an associate. I would love... Get, just be there and at least... because if they, if they're Get their associates in communication. Well, look, if they're only there for one less than a year, do they have to adhere to any of the rules as far as studies? No, no. Not really. 
So, I mean... By the time any of it gets discovered, they're already on the NBA. They're gone. So it doesn't it doesn't matter. Make them go two years, and at least they have to go through a GPA-guided thing where, you know, okay, well, you didn't make this. Now you have to sit. Now you got to think about your life. Now you do yeah. this stuff. Learn the stuff that you can learn in college. The, the playing for the great college, college is all about learning, right? Right? So, I like to think so. So quick transition. So when you're a guy who plays for the University of Oregon, and Coach Krzyzewski pulls you aside after you just beat his team... Handily, and then has a little conversation with you that's meant to be private about you showboating a little bit. Not the shot. It's a, it's after you made the shot. The the cheering that he did after he made the shot. He pulled him aside. Coach K, our boy from Duke, pulled him aside, and told him that he didn't have to do that. You're better than that. Awesome. Almost in that tone. It might have been a little bit louder because they were in an, an arena. Yeah. Full of people who were cheering and who stuff. Who were cheering. So he just. Did that and walked off, and some cameras picked it up, and it became twisted by the media into Coach Krzyzewski is, what, what did they say, Ryan? Uh, lecturing. S- lecturing and scolding the player. It's like That's not his. Hardly a lecture. He just said, like, it's not about the celebration. It's about playing yeah. a good game what, what, at the end. I mean, what, it, well, and then they got mad because he went up on during the press conference and someone asked him about it, and he said he, it didn't happen. He said, I wasn't scolding him. I wasn't lecturing him. And then all of a sudden, now Coach K is a liar. Because he wasn't scolding him. He wasn't lecturing him. I mean, I I see the Coach K side of that. But that's fine. That's fine. That's exactly what we said, too. We're like, anybody looking at this from the outside could easily turn around and play the game of, well, you asked him if he was lecturing or scolding. He might say to himself, no, I was not. And he's telling the truth. And he's still not lying. He's still not lying. And he was sharing a moment with a player that he probably thinks highly of, at least enough to where he felt enough to give him advice like that. I and mean, this is a good player on another team that just beat his team and moves on to the Elite Eight. Um, it, was, it, was a, it was a moment. And the, the player didn't even acknowledge it as not even being those things. Yeah, so. and I think the player agreed with, with Coach Krzyzewski <laughs> at the end of the interview, too. He said, I am, he's right. I am better than that. You know, something to but he didn't yell at me. He didn't scold me. He no, didn't lecture me. Not at all. But it got turned he, into he, that. He gave me. He gave me some. You know, uh, course correction and the end. A stern talking to. Not even at a, an admonishment. And, and what what you would think is funny is if we showed you if we had a highlight reel of uh, highlights in magazines of, like, of, of, of Coach K, Coach Krzyzewski uh-huh. yelling at players. You know they're. Then you know it. the difference between scolding and one of those like <laughs> when I'm yelling at you, you'll know. Like there is like. Angry, pissed off Coach K, and then there's just, hey, you're a good dude. You don't have to do that. Don't do that. Okay, bye. <laughs> like, it was still, because that's how he talks, too. He's, he's kind of a quiet dude, except when he's visibly pissed the fuck off. And there's no questioning whether he's upset or not. You know when this man is upset. He has the facial expression for it. Oh, yeah, he gets mean. And he, he's just, he got, it's been, we were going to talk about it last week, and we had the, we had the, uh, cushion. For, for the cushion, yeah. And it just I just wanted to pay him some respect. Why Plus, did oh, because it's mine. It was you. My fault, yeah. Plus, um, I don't know if you read or not today, Coach K had full knee replacement surgery. He did not realize. He's recovering just fine. All's well. He should be out of the hospital in three days. So we wanted to give Coach K some love and uh, say get well with the knee. 
Can't wait to see the team next year. Could be feeling yeah. better. I anticipate to be a my pops was a much team. My pops is a much more mobile person after his knee replacement. So. Yeah, I think I think Coach K's got ten more years of storming up and down that court. <laughs> much as he wants, man. Much as he wants. Where are we at? Uh, twenty four. Perfect. Let's get on to our five times in honor of Coach K. Five time, Ryan. Five times. Five times. In honor of Coach K, we're going to talk about. Um, Tournament players. Some, <coughs> some are his, some are not. We could have made a list, honestly, with most of his, but we didn't. I mean, you really, this, I don't think this, with the top five, it's, there's no wrong answer almost. With how no. many players have been around? And, and, and there's so many good ones. I, most, most of mine, I don't know where you went with it. Most of mine are from an earlier era when teams were more prevalent. Uh, this last 10, 15 years. You mean white. Same deal. Oh, no. No, of course not. <laughs> no. <laughs> Who are you talking to? Uh, but I'll, I'll go first just to get it going here. I got... They're white. You're black. I got two... Uh, <laughs> Dribble with your dick. Two honorable mentions. Sorry, go ahead. Um, Dukies. I'm going to go with Shane Battier and Grant Hill. Um, Battier won one title, but he played in two Final Fours, I think. Um, great player. Grant Hill played in three finals. Final games. Won two of them. And lost the third one because Scotty Thurman from Arkansas hit like the biggest Range Road drop three pointer I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> he touched the goddamn ceiling with that fucking thing. He's what, man? It was that high. Oh, eventually come back down. Eventually he did. Number five, Bill Russell. Um, final fours all the time. In one final four, he had 50 rebounds. This was a this was a hell of a stat. 50 rebounds in one final four. That's two games. 27 in the final game. Uh, Bill Russell, one of the best players of all time. Fitting that he ends on this list. He won everywhere he went. Um, I think he won nine with the Celtics, something crazy like that. So, yeah, Bill Russell, University of San Francisco. Last time they were good. Been a long time since they had a tournament run. <laughs> University of San Francisco. And it's big. Not a lot of runs in the tournament. <laughs> and it's big. Uh, <laughs> uh, Collegiate. Uh, yeah. uh, well, 1956 was a huge year for collegiate basketball. Uh, number four, Patrick Ewing is going to make my list. Three finals. I know who that is. Nice. 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 Well, he played, uh, he played in three Shit. final games, lost two of them, one to Villanova, who's playing tomorrow in one of the biggest upsets. I remember when we did upsets, Villanova made number one for Ryan's list, and that was a big win over... The University of Georgetown. He also lost to the University of North Carolina, who's also playing it tomorrow, um, with Michael Jordan, James Worthy. That's the one where where Jordan hits the shot on the elbow to give him the lead. Um, but Patrick Ewing did win one over five slam and jam, and Patrick Ewing was one of the most dominating players mm-hmm. in, in sports. college basketball in the NBA. A consensus. If I've heard of him. He's a name. The first year he was drafted was the first year of the NBA lottery. And he was the consensus number one overall pick. So it was basically the Patrick Ewing lottery. Like whoever gets him, gets him. Whoever gets the number one pick is picking Patrick Ewing. Okay. That year the lottery had seven teams in it. They put the balls in and they draw, they draw numbers. So you have yeah. higher chances depending on <coughs> how many losses you have. New York Knicks were the, 
the number one chance team to win it. Because they, they had the most losses. I mean, it's like the most the, losses. Yeah, exactly. The, the bottom gets picked. The most losses has the highest like percentage, the and it goes okay. down and it goes yeah, down. Yeah. And that year, there was only seven teams. New York won, but everyone knew that whoever won that lottery was picking Patrick Ewing. That's what I meant. Funny thing is, the Indiana Pacers had the second pick. If he switched the LeBron rivalry, James. the Pacers would have picked. Okay. The Pacers would have got number one and had Patrick Ewing instead of the Knicks. Change, so who did, who did the Indiana pick? Do you basketball? remember? Out of morbid curiosity? No, I have no idea. Which means who gets not the someone that lasted very yeah. long. Not somebody <laughs> that. I'm just, I'm just wondering. I'm not going to toot my own horn, but yeah, I guarantee <coughs> he wasn't around that long. Uh, number five, Bill Walton. You got to go back to those UCLA teams. They dominated like no one ever the has. Dad on the Waltons? No. Oh, could be though. He's big and ugly. Looks like a hick. And it would work out pretty well. Um, 88 wins in a row. He was part of that that run. And back-to-back titles. Back-to-back tournament. Most outstanding player awards as well. Which is basically the MVP, but it's most outstanding player. Um, Bill Walton. Genetic freak. Um, with all the injuries and how his body was, he shouldn't have even been playing basketball at all. It's amazing he can sit up upright at this point. The back disease and foot disease and everything he's had. Well, I can fix that foot disease. He's fixed now. Took, He's a footologist. Took a long I'm a footologist. Took a long time. He's fixed now. Uh, number two, um, I struggled with this because I, I, I wanted to heart it, but I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to homer it too much. So Christian Leitner is going to get number two. Christian Leitner is going to get number two. Um, two titles back to back. The reason he's going to get number two, the reason he's this high on this list and almost number one, is because of the game against Kentucky. Ten for ten from the field. Ten for ten from the free throw line, and. The most iconic shot in NCAA tournament history. Yeah. It's it's shown all the time. It's every year the tournament comes around. They show that. They'll dissect that is, it. That, that is shown probably every other show. It'll be shown tomorrow. It was shown before the games yesterday during the promo into it. Um, they'll dissect I think I saw a preview of it with Superman Batman. It, it, it's, it's pretty much shown during the regular season. It's more epic than Superman versus Batman was, and you don't want to go to sleep during it. You really don't. It, it's it's one of the coolest plays ever. I'm thinking of it makes me feel really cool. I enjoy that. Christian Leitner, my favorite college basketball player of all time. Uh, number one, Lou Alcindor. Um, let's just go ahead and leave it there. Three titles. And that is, of course, who Doug? Players. Lou Alcindor. Uh, he played the dad in the Cindy Lauper video. <laughs> Girls just want to have fun. And I think... Nice connection. Captain Lou Alcindor. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think he played Mario Brothers on the live-action TV show. No, uh, no, he's he's actually Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but close. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, oh, that's okay. The bad guy from Basketball, who's that guy? No, he's he's the, the, the co-pilot from Airplane. Kareem Abdul- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gets that part. He's in Bruce Lee, Enter the Dragon. Or is it the yeah. other one? Uh, no, it's, uh, it's not Enter the, the Dragon. Fist, Fist of Fury. Fist of Fury. Um... Uh, Alcindor, One of the slowest fight choreographies I've ever seen. Possibly the best basketball player of all time. I'll always put Jordan ahead of him. But Kareem is the leading scorer of all time. And in college, he was completely unstoppable. They changed rules for him. They changed rules for Bill He Wilson fought Bruce Lee. He, well, sort, he of, Bruce sort of flew a plane He was just he playing basketball fish. at a higher level than anyone had ever seen. They outlawed the dunk because of him in college basketball. Because he was like 12 feet tall. 7'2". Uh, what is that? Almost twelve feet tall to me. Okay. Almost twelve feet tall. Man, I'm mm-hmm. almost twelve feet tall. I feel like I got a big dick now. Because I'm tall. Um, 
He was part of John Wooden's dynasty, all the stuff that John Wooden did, that nine-year run. Um, he was on the beginning of it. Bill Walton was on the end of it. They could have easily been together. Either one of them could have easily been number one. I threw Leitner in there to make a Leitner sandwich because I love Leitner. And that's how that goes. Nothing right, about so, that. Uh, my number five is uh, a guy I don't particularly like, um, both for who he played for and his whole career there. All right. Tyler Hansborough. Yeah, I know. But oh. he was he was a very <laughs> dominant player, not just in the regular season, but in the tournament as well. Um, won once. Won one. Went to two Final Fours. Won a title. Started a hateful church. Got Sorry. his face busted open. He put his heel on this fucking thing, too. Number four, uh, Danny Manning. That could have been on there. Uh, you just like him because Manning's in his name. Ooh, oh, oh. I almost wanted to kick him in the oh, Need some aloe for that burn? I'm going to use your footology and show you where I'm going to shove my foot. In the foothold? <laughs> you kick me right in the foothold. Oh, right in the foothold. Hey. hey. <laughs> uh, one of the most iconic players in uh, KU history. God, he started off with like the two teams I hate right away. Just let's kiss their ass a little bit. Man. But then I'm going to bounce back so nice. and go number three. Oh, now he's going to go George Planda. And number three, Christian Leitner. Three. Yeah. Traitor. This whore. <laughs> I knew if it wouldn't get to at least two, he'd be mad at me. Trace and I did it anyway. <laughs> fucking, fucking bullshit. Career uh, NCAA points leader. Yeah. Oh, so he's three. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Was that your number two? My number, that's my number three. He's just... two people. No, I mean, Jesus Christ is number two. My number two is... Try arguing that My number two is Bill Walton. He's going to put two UCLA Bruins he knows who my number one is already. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. <laughs> number one. The Wilson, of course. As far as the top three should go, it should be those three guys. Uh, uh, in all seriousness. It's, it, yeah, I mean, that's... <coughs> I think it's highly arguable to go outside of that. Um, that's pretty much your number three. Your, your top three is no matter what. Still pick it up. <laughs> Though, can I say, just on a side note, real quick, I'm so glad that we have a show again that you can hear us cracking beers and lighting cigarettes. I kind of miss that from no applause, just the clap. That's the part where non-smoking drove me insane. Oh, that's your segue into pop culture. Got it. No, what was your number one? Well, Cinder. Cinder. Oh. <laughs> I loved him on WWF. Yes. <laughs> I loved him in the... Uh, Go back to that. <laughs> I love the Cindy, Cindy Lauper video. Shit! Yeah. <laughs> what was the thing I said he was in the first time? That. <laughs> oh, this one's going to be fun. I'm not going first on this one. All right, this is our pop culture top five. Uh, I don't know how this came about in my brain, um, and I think I chambered it without telling you guys. And then when Gonzo contacted me about some of the ones we haven't chambered, I was like, oh, I've got this one be really fun since we're all about music and, uh, and sports um, top five bands that changed music um, changed this is all relative the, the landscape absolutely oh landscape. it's so relative it's not even funny I made sure to make mine like changed it for the better because See, and I, just I didn't want to put any kind one. of top five that would add like Lil Wayne or something 
No negativity. We're not <laughs> negative here. <laughs> just, I feel like there's a lot of people that ruined music, but I don't. That's not talk this list. Them. Changed is a different <laughs> list than ruined. Uh, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Right? <laughs> go ahead, Doug. Because we're chambering ruined music. All right. Um, <laughs> I do literally we'll do have that one. one, in one, the future. one we'll sentence. make it negative later. We'll I, I do have to say one enough. sentence about an honorable mention. He's breaking when we get rules, there. I'll be breaking it too. One sentence. Um, honorable mentions. Uh, Queen, James Brown, Jimi Hendrix, The Beatles. He sounds like he's on the radio. And coming at a number one in honorable mentions, um, I do have to say Black Sabbath. Um, how fun is it that you can just look at someone and go, I invented metal. <laughs> um, <clears throat> number five, Elvis. Elvis Presley, um, not Costello. Um, in case there was any confusion, uh, being I'm super into New Wave. Um, Elvis Presley, his big thing, pretty much co-op- Singing black people's music. Yep, co-opting black culture on that one. <laughs> That's um, really okay. Absolutely. But it brought it to the mainstream, and that changed music. Um, White people didn't have to be afraid of it anymore because there was a white guy singing it and shaking his dick for the ladies. Although they stayed afraid for a little bit longer. Uh, yes. They did. I think they still are. Um, <laughs> not enough of the suburbs were built yet. Not a shock. He ends up on my list. Um, number four, David Bowie. Knew it. Um, it's more in terms of the production value. He brought the, the Berlin Trilogy. That shaped production and engineering that we're still feeling the effects from. Um, Kanye West may think he's Yeezus, but um, without Bowie, he wouldn't have been there in terms of just what Bowie, and I can't think of the, I want to say it's Brian Eno is the name of the, one of the producers on the- I can the, assure you the, Kanye is not on this list. He'll be oh, God, be no. on the other list. Um, <laughs> but but I, I think it's Brian Eno is, is one of the guys that produced his album, uh, the, one of, at least, if not all of the Berlin trilogy, then and then some of it, um, but there's a kind of an open secret that at one point um, <coughs> Bowie during the Berlin trilogy um, found his producer on the first album and locked him into like an exclusive contract and said, "You will not work for anyone else. You will work for me um, because you are that good. Or not I because I want to like hide your light under a bushel, but because like you're that good and I want you all to myself." Um, Number three, yes, sir. Yes, sir. N.W.A., the birth of gangster rap. I mean, that changed music. Um, you look at MTV before Yo MTV raps, and it was hair metal for the most part. Um, and then you see the rise Madonna. of yeah, uh, pop. Um, but you see the rise of of gangster rap and what that will eventually evolve into, which. Features Kanye, but also features... Which takes us back to the... DMX, which is unfortunate. <laughs> um, what? Which brings us all the way back to the other part of the list. Uh, the negative part. Number two, uh, Nirvana. Um, sorry, it's the death of hair metal. Um, oh, no. No sorry here. But Interesting note, though. Facelift came out first. Oh, with uh, Alison Chance? Yeah. Um, but but, it, but in terms push. of like it didn't get the white exposure, oh, right. I mean, right. never mind right. was right. so huge. And I, I know that they were all doing the same things. Um, I'm excluding Pearl Jam because fuck them. Um, I hate their bassist. 
uh, because he went, we should change our sound to be grunge, and so we can become famous. He was in the grunge band. He was in Andrew Wood's band. Uh, what is his name? Jeff Ahmet? Jeff Ahmet. Um, yeah, I... He was there before. He, he, he was looking for the money and, and, and the glitz and glamour. Um, that's, that's debatable. He's gone that's right saying so. Uh, um, to an extent, it was about, you know, family and, and whatnot, but he, was, he didn't change his style to go grunge. They were right. grunge. Right. They were. Nah. Uh, we'll, we'll talk this later. I mean, it, it's like comparing early Pantera and later Pantera to early Pearl Jam and later Pearl Jam. Um, I, I, don't, I don't get it because the, the change in their sound came from Eddie Vedder completely. Uh, no, the, uh, the change of their sound came out of Jeff Ahmed going, we should sound like this. We should sound like our songwriter. He... I, I disagree he, with I, I think he kind of... He didn't mold... That's not the right word. But he kind of... Subtly pushed. He's got a lot of words. Eddie Vedder, He's got Eddie great Vedder. words. No, 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 no. Eddie Vedder was already there, and they kind of came together as a, the band, <laughs> going, "We should ride this." Um, He's taken over our band. But my point is, uh, Nirvana changed uh, obviously music. It, it, I could go. On. We're not going to argue about fucking Pearl Jam. they're not worth it. They're, great, um, they're a great band. I don't like them at all. I know they're great. Um, it's not the first great band. But yeah, Nirvana. I mean, death of. Um, hair metal death of like the 90s or the 80s quote unquote metal scene um, that part of it yeah. that part of it yes um, the return of almost a, a DIY punk rock um, mentality um, the fact that uh, Kurt Cobain brought other bands like to the forefront and he goes you like us? Why aren't you listening to the Pixies? Why aren't you listening to Flipper? Why aren't you listening to you know so and so? Like, um, here are my influences. Listen to them. Yeah, he made the Meat Puppets um, famous. Oh yeah. Well, they were on Unplugged. I know. That's um, how they made them famous. And I love the Meat Puppets. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, uh, Gene, not a shock. After I talk about punk rock and DIY, these bands pretty much happened within. From what I can tell, about eight months of each other, so I kind of put them in the same spot. Um, America, Ramones, the UK, Sex Pistols, the birth of punk. Um, as much as I love the Sex Pistols, they could not play their fucking instruments, and that was part of the charm. Um, oh, yeah, same with the Ramones, to some extent. Um, but that, like, quick, two-minute, like, you wouldn't have had... The bands that influences the bands we listen to. And when I say that, I'm talking about if you look at Slayer's Undisputed... Is it Undisputed Attitude? Is that the cover one? Yes. Um, you know, they cover uh, Minor Threat. Minor Threat wouldn't have been around without... Well, that's not... I can't say Minor Threat wouldn't have been around because I love Ian McKay. But, um, but you know what I mean? I like, know what you mean. For the burgeoning punk scenes um, in America with the Ramones and uh, Britain in the, with the Sex Pistols... They changed music. Um, they brought it to a very grassroots, unpolished, unproduced, which is kind of weird since I brought David Bowie about production, um, but unpolished DIY. And then they put music kind of in the hands of people where they're like, you can do this too. You know why? Because we're not that fucking talented. Um, and they reveled in that. And I, you know, if you haven't listened to the show ever, or um, in a while, I'm a huge punk rock fan. Um, it's not a shock these two bands would rise to the cream of the crop on my list. 
Word. Um, I almost wanted to do a joke and be like, my number one is Sugar Ray. Um, Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth. <laughs> so I love throwing bread at bands. Um, I like seeing them play like 19th on Riot Fest because they have child support to pay. <clears throat> Who's next? I'm next. Okay. This Gonzo's list is going to be good. So well, It'll be okay. I'm excited about it. I, I, I know his list is good because he is the music massa. Um, honorable mentions, The Beatles, Clash, The Ramones, Elvis, Jimi Hendrix, Pink Floyd. Presley, not Costello. Still Presley. <laughs> At least Costello wrote music. Did you hear he was like 10 feet tall? Ish. Ish. <laughs> ish. The ish I now added ish. The ish buys you another two feet. <laughs> Number five, uh, show favorite, the Eagles. This is a no particular order list. Because I didn't want to give myself an aneurysm trying to do that. Think about anything. <laughs> Think about what's more, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. The Eagles. He basically um, just admitted to phoning it in. Phoning um, it in. Phoned it in. <laughs> um, no, uh, a band that both decided to create their own sound, um, but showed that they don't have to do anything, you know, just because producers or a record company wants it to be a certain way. Fuck um, yeah. They had their own, they had their own uh, uh, style, you know, their own, their own sound. sound. Yes, they and did. They, it's they, music. You can say sound. Yeah, that's it's. They were not just iconic, but they were able to show you that you, that you can go all over the place with your. They music. they are one of the most American bands. Um, Absolutely, the best American band. I don't know America. I'm just kidding. Better. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather listen to America. I've seen them live. Oh, I'm sorry. They just play horse with no name like the whole time. <laughs> they have Ventura Boulevard. They played that and horse with no name. Hour long show, on course. They just come back out. We'll oh, play it again, guys. Yeah, you guys are all on acid anyway. So it doesn't matter. Neil Young. I mean us. I bought their greatest hit album. <laughs> the greatest hit album. The greatest uh, hit EP. Number four, Black Sabbath. They have vintage metal. Metal. I mean. Who else can say that? Like, and they start off as a jazz band. All the older people say Zeppelin did that, as far as inventing metal. And I usually look at those older people like, I'm gonna kick you in the hip, old man river. Old man river. I would say that like it. Zeppelin might have been. The thing is like, it's the upbringing that brings that, quote unquote, heart to. Black Sabbath inventing metal. Like, they were in, like, an industrial part of England. They had no hope. They were not singing about girls in their hair and going to San Francisco and saving no, girls. Just, and, and saving girls. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm helping him. <laughs> Thank you. I'm erudite. Go ahead. Number three, NWA. I mean, the birth of gangster rap. Rap hip hop as we know it. I think I thought this after we not saw just, NWA. Not just, not just black culture, but also a part of black culture that white people would not 
would pretty much ignore. That wasn't made, wasn't making you the news. You, yeah. you didn't you didn't care about that you know, part of the neighborhoods Period. that they came from. Um, you didn't think they who, had. Who you knew didn't about think people, NWA. You wouldn't think about them like that. They would be people who have something to say. Um, that's something that I, I mean. That's how you change culture. I mean, they change culture in America. Absolutely. Just with that. So, NWA. The, 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 the social issues they brought the, to the, to rise the forefront. Of Absolutely. The rise, of um, the rise of rap. Number two, I, do, I actually have Led Zeppelin on my list because they did actually inspire most of a lot of the people that we all do listen to. They were a big part of who they were about you know, wanting to be good at playing instruments, about wanting to be good. One at of my favorite music. bands names drops uh, name drops Zeppelin. Uh, Jawbreaker names dro- uh, name drops uh, Zeppelin during one of their songs. I mean, I personally not a big Zeppelin fan. No, I'm not either. I mean, I'm not, but I know that the people that I do like to listen to, a lot of them were right, and it was the singing, the songwriting, and the the showmanship. I mean, it was. All of it. Robert Plant was a fucking rock star. Still is. Um, yeah, I know he's working with what's her name. Uh, he's some, more like some a girl. Don Henley rock star now. Like, <laughs> shut up. Well, like, if you're like ninety million years old, why are you still like, quote unquote, like cum singing on yeah. stage? Like, Just sing your songs and quit dropping new stuff. No one cares about. It. Yeah, his new stuff kind of sucks. Also, stole a fourteen-year-old. Yeah, but he quoted The Hobbit. He did. So and I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan, so he'd been take that as you will. And then, like, he left that little part of the song just left out. <laughs> and Jimmy Page and John Bonham were like, dude, would you write two fucking bars real quick? <laughs> Can you explain like, oh, the Lord of the Rings and metaphor? And he finished it and linked it with, oh, okay, cool, there it is. I'm talking about The Hobbit guys the whole time. Not until just now. Just the whole time. Yeah, and I would have oh, appreciated that. Like, if he would have sung, like, did. as, like, been like, i just all my brushless. Like, that would have been fine. That would have been odd. Ow, ow, ow. Did I say your golem sounds like golem if he was sucking on a dick? I hate Lord of the Rings, so yeah, sounds about right. Kind of darkest depths of the morning. She stole. He stole, she stole my. She stole to Mordor. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's definitely. You're like, yeah. Occurred. You're British. We get it. Basically confused. You have. <coughs> so long. It's not true. Number one. Nirvana. 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 That's my another answer. another group that if you had just taken them aside, <coughs> you would think they don't have anything to say or they have. But they're not speaking for anybody. They're just making noise. He, as uncomfortable as it was, voice of a generation. I mean, that slacker, lost hope vibe that you got out of Kurt Cobain, that permeated the scene then. I mean, and it didn't just spawn more music. It spawned movies, a social movement, um, a sense of Gen X, um, I distinctly remember when my mom took away my Nirvana CDs. I mean... She took them away? She took one of them away, because I only had one at the time. I, I was telling Gonzo this... How many uh, did you end up with? All of them by the end He's of this conversation. Because um, I, I, I get the money... <laughs> I'm just like, he got, he got it taken away. And I was like, 
did you buy more? Go steal them? Or what? I will say, though, I will say. Where were you? Though, I will say, I've got to. Were you dedicated enough to steal? That's what I need to know. Did you get another one? (laughs) I will say, I'm sorry sorry to tag this on before yours, but I think you'd appreciate it. As you and I were talking um, off air a couple days ago about when my mom took away my uh, Nirvana CDs. Yes, yes. And my mom's reaction to. like me listening to it, I thought you'd appreciate the listeners would appreciate this. It's so funny. Um, my mom called my dad and said, "Like, oh my God, he's listening to Nirvana." And my dad had just got done with like a ski trip with my stepbrother, a high school trip, and he goes, "Yeah, that's what all the kids are listening to." And she goes, "Yeah, but like our son's not yeah, like all the kids." And it's like, "Yeah, he is. Just shut up and let it happen." Um, and this is just after the suicide, I think. My mom goes, well, he killed himself. And he goes, yeah, well, whatever. He goes, like he would. But my mom goes, he was on drugs. Like, we don't want our kid listening to music that was on drugs. And my dad just goes, yellow submarine. And that was the end of her argument. And I got my CDs back. (laughs) It's like, they were on drugs. He's on drugs. Just give the goddamn CDs. Gotta, gotta let them breathe a little bit. Even Millennials? Some of that breath See, these are like really shiny, smoke. tiny you gotta do it. records. Because um, I know you listen to vinyl, so. Yeah. Guns? Am I good now? You're good. Right. Sorry, right. I just wanted... I thought it was a great story. Good story. Thank you. Um, honorable mentions. Metallica changed music for me. Um, it progressed I forgot to put them things. on honorable mentions yeah. also. Metallica changed my mood completely to this day. Um, of music that I look for. I Guns N' Roses changed me before that. Um, Corn makes my honorable mentions because that was the push of the new metal movement. Okay. They, they changed the way metal sounded. The first time I heard Corn's first record, it was like no metal I've heard before. Agreed. And they, they changed the landscape. After that, Deftones hit and there was some other metal that sounded like that. It wasn't guitar-heavy arena rock. Even Metallica, guitar-heavy arena rock. Corn became the new. They were Nirvana. Band. They were the Nirvana of metal. Of, of that, nah, that's a lot of that's a lot of weight to hold. They but were, but like in, terms like, in terms of in terms of birthing new metal of '96, '95 metal push on when it's not Pantera, when it's not Megadeth, Megadeth. when it's not Slayer, when it's not Metallica. Anthrax. Anthrax was already kind of gone at that point as well. Yeah, it's it's at, at that point. Like, Korn kind of took over, and that's where the new metalheads in our yeah. schools were at. We were all in high school at the same time. Korn was huge. Yeah, Korn, yeah. Korn makes my deal. Black Sabbath, because they invented heavy metal. They have to be on the honorable mention. They have to Absolutely. Be. Yeah, at least be uh, at least on right. Def Leppard, because they changed music for me. Because you can play drums with one arm. What well, has nine arms and sucks. Def Leppard. Great joke. But they were like my first band that was mine. Um... As a kid, when you get that one tape and you're like, I know this band, and you listen to Hysteria a hundred times, but you haven't heard Pyromania yet, which is clearly a better record. Then you hear it, and you're like, why didn't you give me that one, Mom? And she's like, I'm fucking... Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Uh, We're getting to therapy at that point. These two, for the honorable mentions, are the the bands that kind of brought rap. (laughs) My mom never gave me Pyromania. (laughs) These two right here are for me and what rap was for me. Because, like, Young MC... Oh, uh, yeah? Brought rap to me. And from that, I just can consider it all the same. Even gangster rap. I, I, I didn't have a problem listening to The Chronic after I listened to Heavy D and The Boys. Um, that changed with Outkast. 
outcast changed music for me and hip hop in a whole different way. That's when I started liking bands like Tribe Called Quest a little bit more, J5 a little bit more, The Roots. I'm bringing up Rhymesayer sure, those, right now in case yeah, I can't tell. Backpack rap is not my favorite. I, I, I do like Backpack those rap. Guys I do like Backpack rap. Uh, number five, um, surprise it didn't make your list, The Knack that wrote My Sharona. No, I'm, I'm, that I know that is the is. band that changed the, that ended the 70s basically. And then you have guys with short hair, Elvis Costello, guitars, ties, tight little drum beats, tight little bass beats, mm -hmm. and the cars, um, talking heads, all of that. That comes, new wave stuff. All yeah. of it comes from bands like The Knack. My Absolutely. Show was a huge hit. It was saturated to the point where people hate that song. Not even their and fucking you go, best song. Not at all. And they, they worked. They worked their butts off to get oh, yeah. to that point. They weren't a new band when that song hit. It just hit. No, they'd been around for like what? Three or four, four years. Four years. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say four or five. Uh, yeah. they, they they turned it into a whole new style of early '80s music. That kind of weird, almost like it's break. not Flock of Seagulls, and it's not Madonna, but it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, it's in the middle of there. It's rock and roll. It's hard drive and rock and roll. A but Tommy Two Tone, you know, yeah. Jesse's Girl, shit like that was what uh, those Rick guys Springfield were trying to on be. That one. Yeah, the Tommy Two Tone, J Rick Springfield, those guys were trying to be what the knack was when they when they made those records. Um, and they changed the landscape of rock. Good call, good call. Number four, the Eagles. Easily, because country music sounds like what it sounds like today because of the Eagles. As Ryan, said, as Ryan said, yeah, well, that's not... I, when I say today, you got to think about this. I'm 36 years old, so I still think today is when I was 24. Okay. I'm, not, I'm still catching up to 36-year-old country music. As far as country music today is just pop music anyway. So it's, the Eagles yeah. like but, but with tractors. Is, is everything that that Ryan said and that is known and what is absolutely the case is they have their own style of rock and roll and country western feel and they fueled it together and it became their own sound. Country music took that completely and made a whole 15, 20 years worth of music in my opinion. When you look from eighty till about two thousand, um, Garth Brooks was heavily influenced by that. George Strait was not, but so many others were. It was about that kind of style of rock and roll guitars, slow paced drumming. That stopped because of the Eagles, in my opinion. Uh, number three, surprised it didn't make Ryan's style, it should have. It should make everybody's, in my opinion. Rage Against the Machine changed music, changed metal, changed the acceptance of having an MC over metal. There was never an accepted MC over metal by I feel masses. like I could feel that. Everybody yeah. likes I would rage. say based on content. Everybody not likes rage. Well, no, you because Tom Morello was real experimental, wasn't he? He is pretty much... Even the stuff in the Night Watchman is kind of experimental. His All of his work on the guitar is experimental. He's Jimi Hendrix of our generation. He's the only one that bends yeah. and changes the guitar riffs. Yeah. He's the only one that does things and, and experiments with sounds and stuff that hadn't been heard. Him and the, weirdly enough, the guy from, um, it's not Jim Maskus, it's a Dinosaur Jr., but um, what's his name from um, White Zombie experimented experiment yeah. a lot? Dimebag Daryl. Oh, yeah. Lots well, that was experiment. Stuff that, that, hadn't been heard that was experimenting with effects as opposed to playing the guitar itself. I'm not, I'm not just, I'm not, oh, no, I'm I disagree not. completely. Disagree with you completely because he's playing the guitar the whole way through and he is experimenting with effects, which is exactly what Tom Morello is doing while playing the guitar the whole way through. Yeah, but you don't Adam have Jones you don't have Dimebag Daryl like running a hex key down his like 
down the neck of the, the guitar. No, he'll run a beer bottle or, or a whiskey bottle or something else down the, down the deal, and he'll bend it a little bit longer, okay. and he'll waggy bar the fuck out of it, and he'll dive bomb longer than Randy Rhodes did. Um, these are yeah, all the only person he can't... These are all experimental guitar players. The only person he can't out-dive bomb is uh, Kerry King. <laughs> and, and who taught him? David Stane. But Tom Morello is the... The yeah. sound engineer, guitar guy that we no, have. No, and, and Zach Del Rocha, I mean, ab- absolutely. I mean, Rapping, I, our anger, like, this is this is almost like ghetto and, and style. fiercely political. Almost I mean, like ghetto style, public enemy stuff from yeah. the other side, from a different voice, talking about stuff that other people weren't talking about in a, in a way that you could understand it. It's like punk meets rap meets metal. Yeah. Like, all Rage Against the Machine changed the fucking game. Actually, yeah. Uh, wouldn't be doing what they're doing oh, no. without Rage Against um, the Machine. That's just three years earlier, if I'm correct. Like, that, that and, shit, and, that's and, like, that's sequential the way that that goes. And, and show friend, uh, our friend J.R. Poston said, if Rage would have gone on for another, I think he said between three and five years, like, Zach would have been assassinated. Like, he would have gotten a little too mouthy. Might have been the reason why he's not around that much anymore. Could be. I don't doubt that. Guys like him get shot. They die. Number two, James Brown is going to get number two because that's funk music. Godfather of Soul. That's funk music. Godfather of Soul. Everything he did was transcendent of a musician, especially a black musician. He was able to to get his money. He was able to fuck his band over, which was really cool until he got on their money later on. But he, he controlled everything. He made himself the man. He made himself the man of that. Well, you just think of like the whole like that that showmanship of like when he's like, I can't oh. go on, I can't go on. Wow! Uh-huh. Like that's he, what that Elvis comes Presley from was was what or what Elvis wanted to be was what James Brown James became. Brown was in his sleep. Absolutely, that's what he did, man. And he was oh, an undercover brother. Hmm? Yeah, totally. That's another good point. <laughs> James Brown songs are sung by everybody. Everyone loves James Brown. Um, the the funk music aspect of the funky part of music that I like a lot. He invented. Did the number th- one? Did the bad thing on the right foot? I mean, yeah, exactly. Papa's got a brand new bag. I mean, the whole thing. Defining sound. Sorry, go ahead. The number one, and I need y'all to bear with me on this, and just think about how old we are. Sugar Ray. Just think about how old we are. Think about what we grew up watching. <laughs> think about the first music video that kind of, like, you remember to the point where if it came on now, you'd probably watch it. You'd show it to your kids. Think about this guy Still and what strange. he did during the time. Michael Jackson changed oh. music. Michael Jackson already changed music by becoming a, a little man leading a band to becoming a teenager leading a band to having the balls yeah, to... Fuck, I mean, to having the balls to... to Kick them aside and do it on his own with Quincy Jones back. I know that's a lot of balls, but to to making off the wall and then going to Thriller and during the MTV generation mm-hmm. when it's being the mu- the the videos, video generation. Videos were fun, but they weren't a thing. Not then. to that extent. No. And Michael Jackson made videos. What videos became Thriller? The first video Thriller, ever. Jean? Thriller was the first video. Um, Beat it. All of these. Well, Thriller was the first video directed by a actual Hollywood. John Landis. John Landis. Um, it's that's Michael. And that's Jackson huge. Was, huge. Was huge. As much as MTV changed music, Michael Jackson was a big part of that. He had videos all the time, and they were always pushing 
the limits. They were cinematic. They I mean, pushing, they were they were pushing the level of the money you had. They were pushing the the ideas that you have in your head. Michael Jackson is going to go down as my number one. And this is a relative list, and it's also one like Ryan said. Oh no, yeah, Michael Jackson's a really good times. one. Michael Jackson changed the video game, and what I saw as music growing up was whether it's a guy on a soundstage in a hair metal video with an empty arena with their logo behind them singing a you know a ballad, or whether it's a straight up movie like like Thriller or or, or even Billy Jean or or One by Metallica. Yeah. Or, all these videos he, he came brought that from up. Yeah. what Michael Jackson did with the with the with the budget and with guys like John Landis and just making stories out of his music more so by using the visualization. I give it to Michael Jackson. Because I think we've done top music videos and I think Thriller has been in all of our like top yeah. threes. I mean it's because we're not morons. Fair enough. <laughs> we're smart at music. We didn't flunk the music. I got to see music theory, so I was almost there. <laughs> Don Henley dropped out of music class because he was flunking it. So that's How did okay. you get a C in music theory? I like music, not music theory. When you start getting to like the mixolydians and all that, like the actual theory behind it, I could not give a shit. Gotcha. Um, you could care less. I could care less. Good. I want the very basic knowledge of music theory. That and it was taught by the one of the heads of the choir uh, group, uh, the two teachers that did choir, and they pretty much hated anyone who wasn't in choir. So you can imagine... Politics. Yeah, you can imagine when you've got a class full of choir kids, and then and the listeners will The room's stacked against you, not, and they start yeah, bullying not, you right away. Yeah, not, <laughs> not, not long yeah. Ago, long ago yeah. listeners yeah. might it's realize what this means, fun. but it's when you've got... C minor. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, you um, when you've got a room full of choir kids and then me, Rob, and Eric Klein, who are like in a metal band going, we just want to know how to like make metal better. Um, well, you could have sat through the class, Doug. I did. You would have learned. Oh, Rob, 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 Rob dropped out and joined class. a fucking gym <laughs> course. That's up and dead. Well, I want to write songs about fucking uh, uh, dwarves and shit, but you know. He no, was, no, see, that's optional. Weirdly enough, one of my finals was uh, me playing um, Nirvana. That seems to be what every orchestra does now for finals. <laughs> yeah, but it's like circa 1997, 98. Yeah, it did. Eighth yeah. grade? That's, I was at that one. That was, that was good times. Weirdly enough, Nirvana, not that hard to play. <laughs> Denver Broncos. How are we doing, Ryan? He's wearing a Super Bowl champions thing. He's still holding on. I am too. Just kidding. I get a hold on to it to, for another so nine, nine months. months. Nine months. Nine months. Yeah. Like a baby. I get nine months. Do you, think we're gonna, longer. do you think we're going to sign Colin Kaepernick? Well, he did visit John Elway at his house. Allegedly. Do you think the, the Niners are going to pay the $5 million we don't want to and give them to us for seven? Yeah, me neither. Doesn't sound like it's going to happen. I don't feel like that's going to be the case. I don't... Yeah. I mean, I guess it, you got to look at it like, well, I mean, as a coach, as a GM, do you really want a guy who's supposed to be in charge of your locker room pretty much? He's the head guy, a player on your team, team leader. Do you really want that guy to 
be disgruntled and not want to be there. I mean, that's the kind of shit that you know. Well, he won't come over. He won't come over. He's disgruntled. He already said, "I'll sit the bench and make more money at San Francisco." He said that. So. So to me, that means do we really want to have a guy over here that doesn't want to miss the money? Uh, if, if I he's, think if I he's think, decided that's what he'd rather do, should we just move on and try to get Fitzpatrick or prepare for Mark Sanchez to be our quarterback? I, I think there's a chance that, you know, a talk with John Elway is uh, might have been just the thing the guy needs to have a different kind of attitude. Obviously, the San Francisco 49ers are a lot different team than they were two years ago. Is that because of Kaepernick? No, no, no. That is because Jim Harbaugh is a lunatic, and they, <laughs> what they should have done is just got more guys who like the lunatic, and instead they just listened to guys who don't like him, and they just got <coughs> Harbaugh because they thought that was the easier solution. They fired a coach who's now in college football, doing well. And I mean, he's is that sarcasm? I can't tell. No, he's, he's doing well. Doing he's great. a fucking he's a nut. He's crazy or whatever. But they were winning. They were going to. Title games, going to Super Bowls. Um, I think as long as you're doing those things, there's no reason to let the lunatic win. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just let him fucking do that. And if you got players who can't handle him, then if he's if his formula is a winning formula, you don't get rid of him. You get rid of the guys who aren't with it. That's not right. everybody fucking is gonna buy. You eliminate the free <clears throat> radicals, is what you're saying. Not everybody. In a, in a not not everybody's gonna buy in right. to what you're saying. There are some guys, you know, and, there, yeah. there might be great running backs who are like, I think we need to run the ball more because I'm a great running back and I could get the job done. And but there goes, might be coaches who go, well, too fucking bad. My idea is to throw the ball to set you up to run. Sorry, you're not going to get paid a whole bunch of bonus money. And that clashes. Yeah. We don't have the bonus money, though. We don't have the money. We don't get to... Say that to them. We get to say, "Please come play here. We have a good defense. We just won the Super Bowl." I think all of this take a, take I, a big pay cut and come play with us. I, I feel like the real reason we're we're asking a lot of these guys, first of all, not completely proven guys, but guys who've had good years recently, um, to make money room for paying Bond a whole bunch of money up front. So that later on we're not, you know, hanging on to a linebacker who's getting $17 million a year. Um, I think that's the John Owens theory is probably, look, pay Vaughn now so Vaughn will be happy. So what are we And then later on we can, we can bring a fucking I'm not asking about Vaughn, I'm asking about now. I, I, I realize you're asking about now. I don't have answers for right Obviously, now. Obviously he does not have answers for this right now. What is your answer? My answer is this pretty simple. <laughs> like, I anticipate... You know, just like, he's gunning for it. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to the point. I, I anticipate us packaging up a Mark Sanchez and a, and a Clady and still moving him out to San Francisco and having them pay the overweight salary or it's going to go through through them. That's what's going to happen. That's It has to, or Mark Sanchez is going to be our quarterback. That's, that's what I think, Doug. Okay. Who the fuck is Mark Sanchez? Well, he's the guy that's playing for the Broncos now. Um, he was a quarterback. Now that we've got Jets, we just signed him two years ago. Man and gone. 
Yeah, um, Osweiler's gone. Brock, uh, yeah. So we have we have. So Mark we Sanchez. have a third. Is it third string at this point? Um, Sanchez would be in all likelihood if something doesn't happen. Starter. If something does happen, second string. But let's assume he's our starter. But he's for right now. He's a third string. Right now, no, we don't have a third string. Right now, he'd be first string. Okay, but like um, a month ago, two months ago, um, he was third string. Is what I'm getting at. Where he was playing at? Yeah. Before he played here. Yeah. Uh, playing here. Where was he playing before? Mark Sanchez. Huh? Last season, he played at Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was he? In, what was he in Philadelphia? Quarterback. Like actual That's quarterback. Key. He started some games, set some. They they kind of rotate a little bit. Okay. Um, till uh, till what's his face got healthy. I forget his name. I can see him. Michael Vick. No, he's he's so cute. He's so like number fourteen. Oklahoma. Philip Rivers. I can't remember his fucking name. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Um, my co-host will help me, but he's gotta go attend to his wife. What? Where to? Where to poke holes in this? What pow? Um, Endlessly. So okay, so we haven't we haven't signed Mark Sanchez, or we have? We have signed Mark Sanchez. Okay. that's why we have two quarterbacks on the roster. We have the third Who's string. The other one? We have the third string from last year named Trevor Simeon. That's what I was looking for. Okay, but we don't have a third string quarterback right now. Right now, Trevor Simeon is number two because okay. we have two quarterbacks on the roster. Right, right. No, I, no, I understand the, the concept of it. Mark Sanchez ain't good. What I think will happen is we're going to move around and make that trade happen with Kaepernick. Or Sanchez will be our quarterback. I just wanted him to tell us what he thought was going to happen. Well, like, like, like that was talked about earlier. Like, why would you want someone on the team that would rather just sit out for the money? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it, it, it won't happen, though. It's, it, I mean, it's there's a name, and I get it. Like, I've heard of him, but... It's not going to happen. We're, we're pretty much setting our haunches into... Sanchez starting, Simeon being number two, and we might draft a quarterback in the draft now. Okay. It's quite possible. It's quite possible. It's tough to figure out. We've, we've, we've done so many different things this offseason that I did not anticipate. We, we let players go, which I knew was coming, but I thought we would keep one of those players. Which not, one? Not a specific one, just oh. one of the guys that left. I thought we would have one. I of honestly, like, uh, until I saw the numbers on the money, um, I thought we would have... Osweiler, I I really did thought I, I really didn't think I thought that Osweiler we, that was we, gone. That we would gone. fight for him. We we talked about it on the show. I I thought he was gone. He was gonna go somewhere else. I I wanted Danny Trevathan, our, our middle linebacker. That's what I wanted. But he went to the Bears for eighteen million. I thought we could have signed him, especially because Malik got ninety, and fucking uh, Brock Osweiler went for like sixty or some shit. There's too much money, but and we didn't sign. We didn't sign Trebathan, and that just kind of means it to me. We're trying to wrap Von Miller up and get him his contract heavy loaded the first couple, couple two. So really, years. a lot of our salary is going to Von Miller, um, a lot which of is fine. To, I mean, he's but, got. But he's, he's, other, I mean, he's like, what is he leading in like, uh, uh, not blitz? Um, no, he's not. But but what he what he is is part of a defense that's commanding all of our money. Our defense is commanding our money. Well, our his, quarterbacks he, are getting paid huge. Our safety is getting paid huge. Our other defensive end is going to make six and a half million this year. We we have guys making money. It's not. It's guaranteed. I mean, well, not. No, the money I just said is guaranteed. He's but but Von Miller's not making all the money. But this is his time to wrap him up. If you understand what I'm saying. Yes. We have to give him money now. So we're going to. We're going to win ten games next year. 
possibly miss the playoffs. We're ten well, six. Well, one thing in transition, a, a transition year. I mean, especially losing um, Manning and uh, and Osweiler. Um, dugout. Uh, no, I, I want to do a uh, Rockies suck. Oh yeah, right. Real quick, I just want to thank the Colorado Rockies for years, years of sucking, of completely <laughs> acknowledging what I say. You are the most inept franchise. Um, I'm, I'm so passionately disgusted with you as a franchise, but also inspired. With what you do to to better myself, um, you are terrible. Walt Weiss, I've defended you, but it's not about you. It's about the the ownership and what they will let you do. They're not letting you do much. They're not going to let you do a whole lot more. Um, it's all about when this organization can become the official minor league team for the major league for major league baseball. All of major league baseball. When they can That's become the Zephyrs. to happen. No, okay. no. But, but the Zephyrs were amongst 30 other teams. I want the Rockies to be the only team. Kick everyone else out of the minors. Make the Rockies the team. They'll go play other minor league teams. Like, not, you know, double-A, triple-A, quadruple-A. Yeah, no, I get you. Rockies are going to play them all. And they're just going to send everybody down to the minors. Except the ones that go to the Rockies. While they learn how to play baseball. And then... Go play somewhere else. The countdown continues. We uh, there's we have some opening day tomorrow for the for the Colorado Rockies against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Cargo's gonna play well. Cargo's gonna get hits. Nolan Arenado's gonna play well. He's gonna get hits. Um, this year and every year from here on out, for me as a Rockies until we trade him is is deciding what hat I'm going to wear, and that will be based upon what team that they get traded to. Well, the whole joke. So I'm counting down Cargo and Arenado right now. Cargo will go first. Arenado will go in a couple years. But the next hat that I'm going to get is going to be where Cargo ends up by the end of this season. And let's mark it for August. Um, Carlos Gonzalez will be playing somewhere else, and the Rockies will be in last place in the NL West. And possibly, possibly last in all of Major League Baseball. Guaranteed, they'll be the last five in all of Major League Baseball. Well, let's make the, uh, I actually made a sports joke at work, um, which I think we've said on the show, um, but I made to a guest at work at my day job that, oh, it's opening day. It's the only time the Rockies are not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Didn't. They still got a shot, Doug. They still got a shot. You ready? Doug out. Oh, yeah. Bill Walsh or Bill Walton. I don't know who either of those two guys are. <laughs> I was trying to throw you off. Shane Black or Shane Battier? Uh, did Shane Battier, he wrote um, Lethal Weapon, right? Shane, Shane Battier did? Yeah. Two times. Three times. Four, Four times. times. Four times. And Iron Man 3. It's a Shane Black joke, assholes. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang, motherfuckers. Rage Against the Machine or Corn? Oh, you know, the weird part is my ass actually does a Rage Against the Corn thing, so I'm going to have to go split on that one. That's where he went gross the whole way through. Michael Jackson or James Brown? Ooh. 
Ooh. Yeah, that's right to the heart of your soul right there, bro. Well, only one of them is an undercover brother, so I gotta go James Brown. Do you remember that yeah. scene when uh, they win mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle's conspiracy theory brother? Yeah, I remember. And, uh, no, I'm not done talking. Um, and Doogie Howser, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, like, puts his hand on him. <laughs> Dave Chappelle goes, he's like, we got a brother. And he goes, but you're still white. Don't touch me. <laughs> I do Every time someone touches my shoulder at work, like, that's all I think of. I'm like, I just want to turn and go, you're still white. Don't touch me. Eddie Van Halen or Jimi Hendrix? Ooh. Jimi Hendrix influenced uh, 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 Van everybody. Halen. Everybody. Yeah, everybody. This is, this is an easier one. Which is the weird no, no, part. No, no. This one's everyone? harder. Okay. This one's harder. Eddie Van Halen or Randy Rhodes? Mm, Randy Rhodes. Sunset Strip, Metalheads. Randy Rhodes. I would have said the same thing, even though I love Eddie Van Halen. I would have loved Randy Rhodes is what like, Randy Rhodes would have done. He yeah. I know what Eddie Van Halen did, and it was great. He's amazing. But what would Randy Rhodes have done? Would if he, he would have Would he have stayed by Ozzy's side the whole time? I don't think so. I mean like even Zach like Wild split off out. into Bad Luck Society or uh, Bad Luck Society. Black Label um, Black Society, Label Society yeah. which is not as great as the work he did on Black Sabbath, that's what I'm saying. No, no. Uh, Zach's, but I mean, like, Jackie, like Jakey Lee, like, didn't really have a whole run as well. He got a he got a record and a half, but he tried to sue the record company. Is times. that what happened? He wanted more money, and he should have gotten more money, according to. Dude, Ozzy. Bark at the Moon, like Bark the Solo Alone, but he wrote the most, Solo Alone. He wrote most of that record with the drummer, and then Ozzy just came in and cleaned it up and put the lyrics down to it. Well, Ozzy went and he got and I no, hummed it. He yeah. got no royalties to it. No, no, they wrote it without Ozzy. Ozzy was in treatment. Oh, uh, that's right. That would have yeah. been, yeah. Jakey Lee, and, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was the drummer, did the whole, all the music. All the and, thing. And Jakey Lee wanted his money. And he got told no, and Ozzy was too drugged out. Or, and you know Sharon ain't going to... No, yeah. No, Sharon's going to fight that. Yeah. And go, <laughs> we can afford lawyers. Can you? <laughs> no, because we have your money. You're not taking none of my husband's money. Um, so yeah, that's shooting the gap. Thank you for listening to us. Ryan's not here. He's gone. Thank you for listening. Bye. Being pussy whipped. With no pussy. Just whipped. Just whipped. Oh yeah. This has been a Blood Alcohol Content Network production. For more information, visit www.bacnpodcast.com. Your home for almost bacon and banjo!